Paul's brain on your plot. Do you have a hunk of land but don't know where to start? Do you have a world-changing permaculture idea and you need some feedback? Do you feel like the guy in overalls may inexplicably hold the keys to all your wildest permaculture and homesteading dreams? Well, you're probably wrong. But if you want to give it a go anyway, you can hire Paul for a consultation. He will be all yours for a whole entire hour. Schedule your Paul conversation today at permies.com slash consult. permies.com slash consult. All right, we're at the PDC, and uh, and it's lunchtime, and we're going to try to record a little something. And and, uh, and Jr. is worried that he's going to make crunchy sense. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm not worried. Crunch. Yeah, smacky, smacky. Nom nom nom. Okay. So now we got it out of the way. What? Oh yeah, there. Ding a ling, ding a ling. Yeah, work that ball, baby. <laughs> okay. Hey, in fact, uh, you know, while we're gonna we're gonna talk about a topic, we got a topic picked out here in a moment, but but Des is sitting in on this on, on this podcast. It's great to be back. And so, Des, you did your two years in the permaculture boot camp, and you did half of that as the high commander of the boot camp. And then you got you got your acre, and so so if anybody is thinking like Paul's full of shit and he's not going to actually give somebody an acre, so I have my acre. Uh, she's my new girlfriend, <laughs> and we spend a lot of time together. <laughs> I think about her a lot and tell all my friends about her. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. So of course you know Fred's got his acre too. Only he's got two acres, and. Um, uh, I know Stephen has talked about how he's he's he, he wants his acre. He's yeah. he's itching for that acre. So, um, but and then one of the boots came and uh, was here for four months and got an acre of Ant Village, and another boot was here for quite a long while and got their acre of Ant Village. So you know, there's there's those things, and we got three new boots that were here arrived a couple days ago. That's right, um, and we're about to start. The PTJ. So in a few days, the PTJ begins. And I know, like earlier today, I booted up and we went out to the lab and we looked at a spot where the um, Sepulcher root cellar is going to get built. And and Jr., you're gonna you're gonna trip a few trees first so that yeah. the trees are standing by and ready. And we talked a lot about you know how do we want to dig it, what tools we want to use. Oh oh, and here's the thing: we have water. We we have pretty much infinite water at base camp now. And whereas whereas for past events we had some limitations, we no longer have those limitations. So that's been kind of nice. Um, as we've been kind of like getting used to having so much water. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's probably a hundred things to talk about to put in a podcast. So we just got to write them down and, and get them in there. But, okay, for today we got a topic. And um, I, I think that the top the topic is is that I have an idea about what I wish for the PTJ to be like in a few years. And so what I am hopeful of is that this year's PTJ is going to be even grander than last year's. So more instructors, more people, more everything. And the projects are more interesting. In fact, JR is already talking about what projects he wants to run point on next year. And JR, the PTJ hasn't even started yet. What the fuck are you doing here now? I'm getting prepped for the PTJ. So, um, we're, not all the instructors show up this early, but some do. And, um, uh, but next year you're talking about doing a freezer with Fadi. And, um, and so this year is kind of warming up to that. Uh, yeah. the, the, the two designs are exactly the same, only completely different. And, and we even talked about that a little bit today. And I'm like, oh, well, why don't you make the opening go face the uphill part? And, uh, and, and, uh, JR said, well, that's not how SEP does these. And this is, this is a SEP Holzer root cellar that we're building next week. And so, yeah, we're going to do it. Sep's way, and it's like, all right, all right, all right, fine. 
Yeah, it was a fight. But <laughs> I told it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, step one. <laughs> All right. Um, we have twelve instructors lined up, and um, and we've and and I know Bo has contacted me to say we've had a third person ask for a schedule, and we did do a schedule last year. And when we set up the schedule, it's like we we put the schedule out, and then the thing that we do on the very first day is we crumple up the schedule and throw it into the garbage and yell out two points, um, because everything just keeps changing so fast and and it's like uh, so instead of having the schedule it's like let's see if we can get all the things done but we'll try to get to them you know as the days pass it's kind of like making a map right if you make a map and then you're like this is how it's all going to be but then you start digging and then you you discover fun things underground you're like i think we need to change the map yeah, and I I think a map is a good thing to say. This is kind of where kinda where I want to go, and then as you kind of get started, expect to change your mind about seventeen times, and you'll end up with something much better rather than saying like, well, I guess we're gonna have to replumb all that plumbing so it'll fit the map, or well, I guess we're gonna get some dynamite to blow out that stone so we can you know honor the map. I think I think it's better to kind of go with the flow of what you discover when you're digging, and see, and then kind of like change your mind a few times. That's like go go with nature, work with nature rather than you know the dynamite and replumb. This is experimental, right? So, and the more experimental you do, the more issues you're probably going to run into, and yeah. or the more things you have to talk on the podcast. And then there's that, and then there's, and and I imagine you you guys have listened to a lot of these podcasts. I imagine that there's a bunch of stuff that you see here that is new to you like why wasn't that ever in a podcast and so it's like uh, maybe we should make a list of those kinds of things and get them into a podcast for people or I suppose people could just you know come out here which is kind of part of what I want to talk about I kind of feel like for the stuff because we had a conversation yesterday it wasn't recorded it wasn't in a podcast we had a conversation yesterday that's kind of like about you know is this stuff that we are doing here either having some global impact or it might have global impact. I mean, I kind of feel like we're doing a lot of stuff here that is unique, like no one else is doing it. There's a bunch of that. Um, and it does it does it cause global positive impact if the information were to get out and I think I think yeah and um, and then we talked about all the different ways to change the world for a bit and in the end I came to the conclusion of like the way that you change the world is you tell people about the bricks you tell people about the solar food dehydrator you tell people about the roundwood timber framing you tell people about rocket mass heaters you 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 convey the bits and bobs and then after they've consumed 50 to 100 bits and bobs and you've probably provided a thousand they start to connect the dots on their own and then they want to shift and affect positive global change as opposed to the way that most people think of it which is that I'm going to go to people and yell at them until they change and I'm going to I'm going to and when I'm yelling I'm going to say rocket mass heaters and I'll say the other things but you know and I think that never works Whereas if you just share information about all these things, so it's kind of like, all right, we need more things, more and more and more and more and more things. And it all starts here with the stuff that we're doing. So I'm going to talk about what I want. It's, it's pure fantasy. It's just my imagination. And I, I get to imagine whatever I want to imagine. I still have that license, <laughs> and I'm sure they're coming for it soon. But step one, I want 
Because I, 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 we're going to try and sell tickets for the PTJ for next year immediately after this PTJ is done. Might even start a little earlier than that. What I want to do is sell all the tickets in the first 24 hours. And because once we know about how many people we have as attendees and we know it for a fact, we can build on that so much better then, you know, the whole thing of, like, we don't know how many people are going to show up. We're still trying to sell tickets. We haven't sold all the tickets yet. And it's like, hell, even if we could sell, like, 30 tickets, you know, in the first 24 hours, that gives us a foundation to build on. But I don't know. I, there's so many people. I keep seeing this stuff where people will travel a 1,000 miles to go to some self-improvement thing or to go to some... I mean, look at how many people went to the Standing Rock thing. That was thousands of people, wasn't it? They were all angry about the oil and whatnot. And so it's like... uh, And so what did they accomplish there? Did they... I mean, they burned a lot of petroleum to get there so they could (laughs) say, don't burn petroleum, which annoys me, but... But... um, they went and they were there a lot of them were there for for weeks months the problem is you will never ever change a corporation unless it is for them to make more money corporations are designed to make money and nothing else oh yeah I think if you take their money away They'll, they will change. They will change. Yeah. I think. Right. I think that if we all stop buying petroleum, I think, or like you know, there's a certain number. Like, if, like Exxon's been very naughty. They've been very. They've they've been very naughty. So if we just take all the money away from Exxon, they will become very small and tiny and disappear. So that that'll work. Basically, by law. A corporation has to make as much money as they possibly can, or people get sued. The board of directors get sued. That the you're in the, the incentives. There's no incentive for not making more money. So how do we go and provide the incentive for them to change their behavior? Well, so they 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 behaved poorly and spilled oil by Alaska, and apparently they were fined billions of dollars. And and, and they true, and um, uh, and they tried to look very sad when they were told they had to pay billions of dollars, and they got in front of the cameras and looked very sad and sorry and stuff like that, and they looked a little pissed off, like that's not fair. Washington you guys are so you're so mean to us, and and then what the, the next thing that they did is not pay the fine. Which it seems like nobody seems to give a shit about. Now, I don't know a lot about politics. And I don't know a lot about that scenario. And that's kind of really not my thing. I would rather build a new Wafati than try to, you know, um, get into that. But I kind of feel like if we all just decided to stop giving them money, they they would feel a little bit more spanked. But but people, I see people that are our people pulling up to the Exxon in their uh, SUV and filling up. And I'm kind of thinking, like, you know, could we coordinate a little better? All right. All right. Uh, Let's set that aside. That's kind of like not my topic. That's the wrong. If if you're into that kind of thing, I think you're listening to the wrong podcast. So moving on, moving on. I want to talk about the PDJ and where I wanted to go. So step one. Oh, please. Buy all the tickets. And uh, and so, you know, as soon as they're available, please buy them all up. And they're all gone. I, that, that would really help. <sighs> then, where I really want to go is I want, I want the PDJ to be so awesome. Because I kind of feel like the PTJ is the primary pump for for all of the things that we do here. And and so like, you know, I'm looking out the door over there and I can see one of the two solar food dehydrators that we've built. And I kind of like the idea of and that was built during the ATC, which is the predecessors of the PDJ. And so I kind of feel like let's 
you know, we, we need to build a lot more of that sort of thing. And we need to build um, not only the Sepulcher Root Cellar, but we need to build the Freezer Wafati. We need to build the next Wafati home, which means first we got to finish the other two. And um, the Wafati Greenhouse, I mean, a lot of people have said, where the hell are the temperatures for this year? And it's like, we need more boots in the boot camp to get, you know, to track those temperatures. And so we need to get, I don't know, we need to move all this stuff forward. But the primary pump for all of this is the PDJ. And I kind of feel like if the PDJ were packed, that we'd probably... After the PDJ was over, we'd probably get six or seven of those people popping into the boot camp afterwards. And then the boot camp would, I mean, that's another way. It's like, you know, the boot camp does the same sort of stuff as the PDJ, but does it all year long. All right. I, because currently we've got the PDJ followed immediately by the skip event. I like the idea that someday we will have a 30-day event, and that'll be the PTJ. And um, because because interest has been powerful, and people keep coming back year after year, and people buy the tickets early, and and so we know we can do it. We know we can get it. We can pull it off. And that the skip event is woven in as part of the PTJ for the whole 30-day event. And then we've got some big, you know, some big builds. We'll do some, we'll do a bunch of Wafati stuff. We'll do uh, um, different stages of Wafati at different points. We could, we could kind of be wrapping up one or two Wafatis at the first half of the event while starting a new Wafati at the beginning of the event. And whenever people arrive, there's still stuff to be done done on Wafatis at like three different stages. And some people will come for a week, and some people will come for a month, and some people will come for just three days. And it's like, you know, um, and, and we'll have some sort of schedule and some sort of calendar and keep track of how many bodies we have at any given time. And then as part of it, there'll be at least one wild edibles walk each week. And there'll be all kinds of, I mean, once we're covering a full month, hell, we got to go make a couple of huckleberry runs, don't we? Yes. You know, I think having some wild edible foraging going on twice a week would be good. Um, I also think we got to build at least one natural swimming pool each year. I think uh, um, let's and then also for these natural swimming pools and these ponds and things like that that we build, I think it would be good to to get <laughs> some chinampas put into those. Ooh, yeah. And uh, let's not just build some hugel culture. Let's build a couple hundred yards of hugel culture and plant them. And let's look at the bedding. By the way, this is a good time to point out, you guys have all gone up and looked at those hugel cultures next to the house, right? Oh, yeah. They're looking phenomenal. They're Quite the jungle in Montana. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Last year, we put a strong focus on building soil, and I think it's really paying off this year. And I think we're not done building the soil. we still got a ways to go. One thing that I was surprised about was how lush and big it was so early in the season, because this is not like it's, you know, on the East Coast where the summer comes early. This is a summer comes later, but there was some really big plants Everything was really lush and huge, and I expected it to be small and growing. Like, hey, are we going to be able to get anything out of the culture for you know the food for the for the PDC? And they've been pulling lots of stuff out of there. Yeah. I've been seeing lots of stuff come out of the hula cultures and the wildcrafting. It's been great. They've been putting a lot of rhubarb out, and you guys both, but you both tried the rhubarb soup. Yeah, it's very good. Oh, yeah. No, I missed the rhubarb soup. Oh, you missed it? Oh, that's right, because you generally don't eat breakfast. We serve rhubarb soup at breakfast, because that's what my granddad did. You haven't had it since I've been here. But you keep skipping breakfast. I've been down for breakfast, but never seen that yet. Okay, well, we'll, so there's a cat. Is that cat? No, it's not cat. She's out? Okay. Uh, We'll we'll put in a request. I'll try to remember to put in a request. I probably will forget. So, um... But we're trying to, I, I said to her, like, let's do some rhubarb soup uh, every breakfast. Now, um, 
Uh, I went and harvested the rhubarb a couple of days ago, and I said, you just let me know when you need more. And um, maybe she ran out, and she didn't let me know. But There's some of that rhubarb up there. I've never seen leaves so big on on rhubarb ever before, and I've seen some huge leaves on rhubarb. Yeah, and I, when I harvest, I usually grab the ones with the biggest leaves and I harvest those and so but yeah we have some very very happy rhubarb and uh, and and potatoes you've seen those I mean I just see the potato plants I haven't tried to dig for any but it's not quite time but we could we could dig up some new potatoes and the sunchokes are coming on strong and uh, um, but uh, I know for greens there's a lot of lamb's quarters and dandelion greens getting worked into a lot of the meals nibbling on that going up and down to go to the, vol- the volcano the caldera yeah. along that path and there's a lot of it because you got that exposed soil and, and so that's what the yeah. comes up first right so we're doing yeah, yeah. no and in fact uh, when we first built that road going up to the top of the volcano um, somebody threw a whole bunch of seeds on it and then we had like 200 pounds of turnips come off of that and so it's like well I guess turnips like disturbed soil <laughs> But early pioneer um, species. What's that? Early pioneer species. I guess so. I never thought of turnips as being a pioneer species, but I guess they are. Maybe that root goes and puts all that organic matter down in the soil. Maybe that's why it's an early pioneer. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe. 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 Um, I I do know that the fruit trees are coming on. There's a uh, there a lot of the fruit trees that started from seed have fruit this year, and we're gonna find out whether the fruit's any good uh, come fall. And uh, and we've got uh, other trees that we've started that were not from seed, so transplants. Um, and we try to get winter keeper species that we that we transplant. But we transplant those at base camp because um, the soil here is already so shallow. But that one tree has got to be 30 feet tall. That started from seed. And... Um, uh, but it hasn't put out a speck of fruit yet. And it's like, how tall are you going to get if we aren't putting out some fruit, buddy? you got to talk to Helen. Maybe she can give you some pointers on the orchard. And she has started some fruit trees from seed. And she could talk about that quite a lot. Um, but I think she's still quite the grafter as well. And and it's possible that if, if uh, some of these trees put out fruit that we don't like, that might be the time that we grow because then it still has its tap root. We're not transplanting the tree. But grafts are generally not as good. But uh, it's like, all right, you know, uh, that might be a reason to do some grafting. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But um, uh, the key is, is that we have a lot of trees. Oh, and then the other fun thing is, um, uh, is we're ex- ex- extending Bob. And so uh, we might actually have the first sunshade in place with the new Bob system tomorrow. And... um And so what we've done is is that Bob is a cable that we ran from a tree over to the shop, and then we could hang a bunch of sunshades on it. And I thought that worked really well last year. It really cooled the space, and we had we had record-breaking heat last year. And uh, uh, and then and we thought, well, due to some philosophies and theories. Uh, it might be even hotter this year, which seems crazy. Like, that can't possibly happen, but it could happen. And we thought, what are we going to do to make it even cooler? So, uh, Stephen in the boots, and Stephen just sat down with us, you fool. Uh, they have been putting together an extension for Bob. So now, Bob's going to have a cable that goes over the shop, well into Arrakis, and Bob's got two kin going up, one of which is going to be named... Now, tell me if I got this right, Stephen. Barbara. Barbara. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes. so there's Barbara, and then there is the sibling with no name. Yeah, still still working on that. Okay. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do a poor man's poll. We'll figure out what the name ought to be. That's, okay. That's what we can do. 
Robert. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and then the idea is with these three cables, then we can connect all sorts of uh, sunshades to go over the building and then over the, the ends of the building to make a lot of shady spots outside the building. But the building itself will probably end up being 10 or 15. I mean, when it got really, really, really hot outside, a lot of people found sanctuary inside um, the classroom. And um, But now the classroom should be even cooler if we get to those kinds of temperatures again. Although we now have two buildings that have heat pumps, which are also a kind of air conditioner. Just in case anybody gets that hot, we got a place to put them. And uh, so there were a few people that were kind of like, whenever it got hot, you could find them in the library. and Because uh, it's, you know, frosty in there. So... All right, all right, all right. I mean, there's tons and tons and tons and tons of stuff to talk about here, which we haven't put into a podcast, and we really ought to. But I kind of want to talk about, I want to go back this whole day about a, a PTJ that is so popular and so and making such profound change globally that it is sold out within hours after the tickets become available. And uh, that means that we have a full year to prepare for this many people. And so we can know a lot more about what we're going to do and how we're going to pull it off. Um, As opposed to this year, where at the moment, I think we still have like four or five tickets left to sell. And, um, I mean, we're going to have a good crowd, but, you know, we've been trying to sell those tickets for, you know, what, eight months now. And and it's kind of like I'm getting sick of trying to sell them. And I just kind of think that if people are keen on making a positive change, that I, I think that building a good thing is better than going and shaking your fist at bad guys. And if you support that general idea, then buy a ticket to the 2024 PTJ. And if we get it full, then we're going to move and transition into this vision that I have about a 30-day PTJ. And it's like some instructors will come for a week, some will come for the whole event, some will come for three days, stuff like that. Um, But I think we can make it a much richer event, too. So we'll have, at any given time, we'll still have 12 simultaneous builds, but we might have 12 other kinds of tracks as well. So that would be like food preservation track or the bodger track or or things like that. In fact, I think the bodger track last year did pretty damn good. But I'd like to see the bodger track this year be five times more than it was last year. Year. And I know that we're already talking about not only building a grape arbor out of logs, but there's talk of building some other furniture out of logs. And um, what was what was the log furniture project? Does anybody remember where we were at on that? So Jeff is sitting down. Jeff, do you remember what the log furniture project was? I know there was like this a vote year. this year. Like there was a vote for like what will be the big log furniture thing. Was it bunk beds? I think it was bunk beds. That's the arbor too, like a gate thing. Uh, the I think gate stuff. I mean, there was a gate thing, and I think I think what won that one is the grape arbor. And I think for for a log furniture for greenwood log furniture, I think it was bunk beds. But I was rooting for another picnic table because I want to do a picnic table that's slightly better than the one we made last year, although the one last year was incredibly beautiful. And I have got ideas for it. And then on top of that, there was talk of, like, building a picnic table inside the solarium to be a place where you can sit and eat and whatever else and and play cards and things. And so um, I was thinking, like, sure, that would be cool. Um, But I know that... um, the boots did make two log chairs, and um, I I think that if you look at them from a distance, they're very handsome, <laughs> and there's room for improvement. And I'm I I'm glad that they built them. I cherish these two chairs, and I look forward to the next generation of uh, log chairs that'll be built uh, the next half-assed holiday. Uh, what do we call that? Was it? 
log chair well, day, that was, that or was, log furniture day. Was, yeah, log furniture day, and then we uh, and then that was different from uh, from Prenicky Day, which was another day where we were building all sorts of interesting uh, roundwood type stuff uh, with right. all hand tools. Yeah. Right. Have you ever wondered whether a particular book was really good or just so-so, and if you could trust the reviews online? When it comes to books related to permaculture, Permies has a large list of reviews for over 100 books. Perhaps you're considering a book for yourself or a friend, or you're just curious about what's out there. Stop by permies.com forward slash book and take a look at the book review grid and read some honest reviews, and hopefully you'll find the next book to add to your collection. So the idea is is that on Prenicky Day you do everything with hand tools and on log furniture day you can use power tools. Now we did have a talk about like if you can build a chair without using any metal or any glue, you get extra points to go to Woodworkers Valhalla later. And so they did it. And I think and I think of them, both of them were considering Considering it was their first time building that kind of chair, I think they turned out really good. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they did set some some wood aside to dry a bit more because they're dry pegs in the green hole. Well, their pegs weren't as dry as they could have been. And I think that uh, that was the biggest lesson of all. And I think next year there will be some drier pegs. Did you have something to add to that, Dad? I was just going to say, as a first iteration of making those chairs that are still functional, people are using them in the kitchen every day. Yeah. Like, they're great. It can only get better. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's an important metric. They are working. They are functional. They're holding together without any glue and without any metal. And that, in itself, is pretty fucking impressive. Now... I do think that they've gotten a little jiggly, and and it's like you know, I, in time we'll we'll have to think of something to do. But um, for now, though, still pretty damn cool considering it's a first off. Some people like the jiggle. <laughs> really, I, I didn't know that. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Some, yeah, some, okay. Uh, we could talk about Jiggle for a while. And our appreciation of Jiggle. But, but, yeah, PTJ. Let's, let's get back. So, so I'm thinking of a 30 day event. I'm thinking that, um, during this 30 day event, I would like to have at least five projects that add water to a homestead. And so, for example, yeah. um, uh, I think one thing that we need to do for every every uh, one of these 30-day PTJs that are in my imagination in the future, so every year we would build a humus well. And so, um, and and then in, the theory is is that once it gets to be five to ten years old, it'll probably generate something on the order of forty to a hundred gallons a day of water without a well, without without any water. So totally dry land suddenly is generating, you know, forty to a hundred gallons a day of water. And then we will build a new one of these every year. So now we have hundreds of gallons of water being generated every year through the summer from dry land. All right. And so that would be one way. Another way is, is that there are some spots where there may have been a creek long, long, long ago. And so we could do like the man who planted trees and let's plant a lot of taprooted species that are very generous with their water. And then those, once you get enough of those tap roots down, it'll start to pull that creek back up to the surface. And so we can do that. Then comes the thing about building ponds and then routing the water from the exit of a pond over to be the the water that flows into the next pond and making sure that that uh, ditch is sealed so it doesn't just run into the ground and disappear forever. That flow form. Paul, how would you feel about a natural swimming pool here at the lab? So so you weren't here when we talked about how the idea is we would build at least one of those every year during this fantasy 30-day PTJ. Yes. And then so we would end up after five or ten years, like five or ten natural swimming pools, each a different, slightly different style. Yeah. 
And so, no, no, you're you're onto something real, real good there. Now, another thing I think is real important is to get some of those things where you've got a solar panel connected to a pump, and it'll take the water from the lowest pond and work it up to the highest pond. Now, we've we've got uh, on the on the northmost edge of the property up at the lab, we've got a very low spot which is not all that far away from a pretty high spot. And so we could have ponds in both of those. And so, and it's like then then the water from the pretty high spot then flows out to like maybe 20 other ponds and then ends up in that lower pond where it just gets pumped right back up. So... I think that that would be an incredibly awesome design. And there might be a bunch of solar panels all over the place and a bunch of different other places that are taking low water and moving it up to a higher spot. And, and it's like, I, I think it would be delightful to do a lot of that. Um, <clears throat> I think it would be great to do some more air wells. I think it would be great to have uh, several air well, air well projects, maybe one big air well project per year as part of this, you know, dream thing. I also think that something we currently don't do during the PTJ that could be part of this 30-day event is for all 30 days is to have something taught in the classroom. And I think I think that the focus of the PDJ will remain to be the builds, you know, because I think the current P, the current PDJ format I think is awesome, and I am sad that the event doesn't sell out in 24 hours. I think it's an amazing, excellent. It's it is the way to save the world. It is everything else just seems like whining compared to this. I mean, going thousands. Thousands of people went to Standing Rock and and shook their fist, and I think in the end it didn't do it didn't change anything. Am I? Is that? Yeah. I don't know. Did I? I mean, I'm not. I I don't really study that stuff, so I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. At least, to me, at least you're doing something with this. You're moving forward and stuff instead of like you say whining and stuff, and. Then people come here and they learn this stuff and they take it home and start doing some of it. And people look at them and ask questions. It's like somebody said, more is caught than taught. So a lot of it, if they start seeing it more and more, then they'll start catching it. I think that's a big part of it is you start to build these skills and build this way, then two things happen. One is is that suddenly everything you build at your homestead is more like this. And and then, because you learn some things where it's like, well, that's a hell of a lot easier than the way I was doing it with all the toxic geek. And then the other thing is is that you start showing others and telling others and it spreads. One important point I think uh, to make is that it's very much like those round wood chairs you were just talking about where we didn't have an example of what it looked like until we actually made one on site. And now we have that as our, you know, our baseline foundation for, okay, how great can a round wood chair be? You know, same concept with a, a recirculating pond system, you know, how great can that be? Well, we're not really going to know until we have an example of it. So building something like that or the rocket kiln, you know, that hadn't been done until it was done, <laughs> and now and now you can look back on it and say, "Hey, this is what we learned from it. This is it, and it becomes physically possible when you see a when you see something that was actually built, and then other uh, to me, you know, like caught then caught versus taught. I think that's a great way to look at it, and and these are these are the small examples I'm pointing out that people can say, "Okay, I saw it done before. I actually sat down in that chair, or I here's the cup that I, or a mug that I made in that rocket kiln." And, uh, you know, I know it can be done. So let's do it again somewhere else. And the Lorena? I mean, I'd heard of a Lorena. I'd never seen one. And I could only find some 
drawings, some some line, like some tiny line art drawings to give you the general idea of how it works. But here's here's another one: is that the PDJ runs deep in the red, and um, and I just keep subsidizing it, and I put in these enormous tracks of time to help pull the thing off. I mean, it's it's been just a a, a psychotic amount of work to get the event to exist and to keep existing. And uh, you know what? Throw me a bone. Um, right now, we did a Kickstarter, and um, I got to tell you, every last penny that we had as extra that was supposed to be our operating capital got eaten up by this well. Now, it's great to have the well, but son of a bitch, that turned out to be only about four times more expensive than I thought it would be. And uh, and we're suffering for it. And it's like, I could use the coin, buy some fucking tickets to the PTJ for 2024. <laughs> there you go. Pay for shit to get us through the end of the year. Um, and when you get here, we'll have so much water, you can just... You know. <laughs> I I think another thing is, is that it's like... Uh, like people took their vacation time from their worky job to go to Standing Rock. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Brent, you're here. This is, is it, this is your vacation time right now, isn't it? It is all of it. Yeah. And so, 100% of your vacation time for 2023 is being spent at our at two of our summer events. Yep, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I and and I kind of feel like. Um, there's been a lot of people who have come here for a week or two weeks or four weeks uh, because that's how much vacation they get or they have or whatever. And they come and they throw their shoulder in and, and get stuff done. Um, and uh, uh, there, there's that. But you, So you don't have to come and live here the rest of your life <laughs> if you're going to come be part of the PDJ. It's designed to be a temporary thing. But... We would like you to stay. Oh, yeah. We would love to have some more people who stay. And and I'm kind of feeling like once people can see our gardens this year, I think we'll get a lot more people signing up. Um, yeah. Making it rain. Okay. So I have listed some projects as potential ideas for this fictitious 30-day PTJ someday in the future that we will someday grow into and I'm making whiny sounds in the hopes that the people listening will be part of growing into it plus the other thing is is that when people have listened to a lot of these podcasts and then they come here it's kind of like they already know how it works whereas people who have not listened to any of the podcasts they're kind of pissy that we're not doing it the way that somebody else talked about doing it so I think a great example is I think our willow feeder system is far superior to the humanure system and which is and I think our willow feeder system is standing on the shoulders of of Joseph Jenkins' humanure system uh, really, and it's like we're well, we're trying to get to something that's more scalable and is going to be more acceptable to um, uh, the department of making you sad and and things like that. Um, and now I I Fred wants to take me on in a debate on that topic, and it's like uh, uh, one of these days we'll do that in the podcast because uh, uh, he believes that the humanure system has some things that are better, and it's like okay, we'll we'll talk about that, but. <clears throat> That's another topic to continue to improve the the willow feeder system and, and make peace bonds. I just wanted to say that uh, the willow feeder system is the technology that convinced me to stay here. I, once you solved that and you addressed it in the way you did, I was like, "Yep, I'm sold. I'm going to be here for the long term." Okay. So when you first arrived, you came in as the, as a separate. You rented a cabin, you stayed here for like a month, and you kind of popped into the boot camp here and there. And then uh, Des, you were the high commander at that time, so clearly you you tortured him thoroughly. So and, and then and then after a month, then you transitioned into the boot camp full time. Yep. yep. Okay. And I decided, yep, I'm going to stay here. I want to go for that two years, and I'm halfway there now, and uh, I'm loving every minute of it, oh, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I think that a lot of people who are long term in the boot camp, um, like they, this is this is this is the way for them. And uh, and and granted, people have life things happen so that it takes them away from us. And then there are some people where it turns out they're not a fit. But Des is still here. I am still here. I'm back actually. I've been away for nine months on the road, and. When I got back, I realized that I needed the contrast to understand, like, man, it's crazy out there. <laughs> yeah. And it Isn't it here. weird? You, yeah. you get back out there. It was. And, and you go to do something, and it's like, well, where's your burnables? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Where's>, <laughs> why are why, we putting this in the trash? Why aren't you, you really, you're going to put, you're going to put your uh, compostables in the garbage that's how you that's how you do it save that stuff yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what this doesn't make any sense and it's like uh where's your garden <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong like i was that guy for sure before i even got here and when i got here i had to learn it all yeah <laughs> through immersion and it, it's it's yeah changed my life it's it great. did it did seem like when you were first here like i don't know did, surely you held a drill before you got here at least once maybe once maybe yeah because it seemed like everything that we did seemed kind of foreign to you at the beginning <laughs> but then and then you put up the gym the chimney cricket right i started it i think no yeah and then the cricket yeah you had started it and then we, we, we Stephen okay. finished it all yeah right. all right but I mean, a lot of people were like, oh, I won't get up on the roof. And, and, uh, and it's that like, there me. goes, and yeah. there goes dead. Yeah. Well, when you first got here, it's like, oh, I don't want to go up on the roof. And then, and then as you're like, I don't know, you're at the time, you're probably about four months from the end of your time yeah. as, as high commander. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then you're like, get it done. Get up there. I don't know if I was getting it done, but maybe I was. You went up there. I, I saw you going I, up there. I got up there. I also got up to put up the Bob. Bob. Uh, That's true. Yeah. The Bob line. Bob line. Yes. Yeah. 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 It, so, and then I went up there today to yeah. put the second hole in the Bob tree. Yeah. So, um, but all right, all right. Anything else before we go on with fantasies about the future PDG? We're almost out of time. I would love a project that has to do with the amount of water that we can use now, because it's so wonderful to have that water. It's it's it. You know, after coming after going away, coming back to this, it's just awesome. I think I think that there are some. I think it would be worthwhile to try to build ponds here at base camp. There are some challenges. And um, and it's like, but let's 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 tuck in and get, because for a lot of people it's weird. It's like there ain't no way you can do that, and that's the end of it. They and then if anybody is like getting ideas, they get shouted down by this group of people that are like, no, I told you there ain't no way you can do that. You are you dumb or something? You can't hear me? What the fuck is wrong with you? very valid points and <laughs> and at the same time here yeah. at this community we have a lot of supporters of these crazy ideas oh yeah 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 i think this is an incubator of ideas yeah. and you are pushing the envelope of what you can do like you know how can one person like visualize all that and do it for themselves this is a way of seeing huge amounts of ideas come together and keep pushing that to all the different phases of you know you know 1.0 2.0 3.0, it keeps yeah. pushing it. And then once you kind of see it and you start understanding it and maybe you get your hands dirty by coming here and working on it, then you can figure out how to work that into your system of your how do you go and build your life system that that has your values and does the things you want for the, you know, the, the ecology of your site or the environment or however you want to look at it. People are sure that they can build version 7.0 because their brain is so good and special. First time out. Yeah, first time out, they're going to build version 7.0, so much better than your version 6.0 that when? they heard about. But when? <laughs> well, and I, I kind of feel like you cannot build version 2.0 until you've built your very sucky version uh, 1.0. Uh -huh. And and you can't build version 3 until you're done with version 2. And it's like and at the very least if you can go and look at version 6.0 you might be able to build something that's almost as good as that the first time. I don't have time for it. 
you don't have time to go and figure that out for yourself. You need to skip to 6.0 if you can. And so that's why you want to come here. That's why you want to follow technology and be able to then go and and start from there. And when you're here, you can say, well, why don't you build it the simple way that's over here? And it's like, oh, man, we did that four years ago. (laughs) And you can go look at it if you want, but nobody likes that. You can always go backwards if you want. We still talk about just setting that on fire before anybody gets any stupid ideas. (laughs) I mean, I know that there were some patches of real shit junk pole fence, and we learned from it. We built a much better junk pole fence, and now it is twisted how people are like, well, I'm just building it the same way that it was built over there, and they're pointing to the shit junk pole fence, and they, they can't, and you can try to tell them, like, no, don't do it that way. Do it this way. Well, I'll just take more time. You're right. It takes more time, but then the whole thing lasts about 20 times longer, too. So, yeah, Stephen's like yeah, nodding his head because... I've seen things that were built last year have already fallen down, you know. <laughs> and then when you looked at them, did they build it the way that we build junk pole fence? No, no. Of, of course not. No, yeah. no. It's like it just snaps. I, I could get, I could go on, I suppose. But yeah, yeah. You need you just need to do it the proper way because of the things that have been learned in the past. And I kind of feel like um, if we have this 30-day long event and it's got like the skip stuff woven <laughs> into it, then we're going to build a lot of junk pole fence and we'll build it correctly and, um, you know, have a little more focus. But I was amazed how in the last several years people are like, oh, I'm going to go and build a rock jack. And it's like, so I got the, so I was, I was struggling to pound in the nails. And, and it's like, why are you pounding in nails? We've got that, that air gun that does such a great job and it's like well they don't fit in the air gun these are these nails are like 12 inches long okay that's called a spike and do you remember that part where earlier today i said whatever you do don't use spikes and it's like you didn't say that <laughs> and it's like i don't know how many i'm sure des and steven how many times you told, heard me say don't use spikes when building those i'm not even sure why we own spikes where do we use spikes yeah. <laughs> Who keeps going to the store and buying these fucking spikes? <laughs> it's not about spikes, but I just wanted to mention, um, like, since I arrived, I learned about the iterative process that Paul is such a proponent for. Build the first crappy thing first and then learn from it, etc. Yeah. And I built my first shelf here. And then I went and built what I call the chicken wing shelf in the Fisher Price house. It's the first thing you see when you walk in. That that chicken wing shelf, I think it's like my tenth iteration of a shelf. And I'll, when you're here, I'll gladly show you my first shelf. Come on over. <laughs> I don't think you really truly know what you want to build until you build a few of them to figure out what it is that you really want. Because you just don't know. Unless you're a professional shelf builder, you don't know what you really want in the end. That's exactly but if you build a few and you yeah. observe how they work, then you're like, oh, oh, I didn't want that. I really wanted this. And then you can build it. And you're a professional at that point almost. So now, with all of my whining about shelves, if you were to build another shelf, what would be some of the attributes of this new shelf? Oh my gosh, I have I, I don't know what to say right now, but uh, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> I, I would just want it to be so awesome. Any any me, any metal or glue? No, I would yeah, I would definitely want like wood joinery as much as possible. That would be super cool. Super okay. cool. I can yeah. hear the donger donging. All I, of learning. All I want to do is so it's like time to ditch the podcast and so the PDC can resume. And and Alan's over there looking smug uh, as because it's his time and I have to give it up. But uh, oh, and he's coming by to to tell you about his smugness. Time to clear out. We got some learning to do. <laughs> so I've got so much more to say about the 30-day thing, but but uh, never mind. Um, I've is that my no I've got so there's somebody lost a Leatherman. Someone's going to be so sad. Okay, that's it. If you like this sort of thing, come on to the forums at permis.com where we talk about the PTJ and homesteading and permaculture all the time.
Hey, this is T. Blankenship. Have you seen the new video of Wheaton Labs? It is permaculture awesomeness with all new and proof things like more rocket mass heaters, easy bake coffin, Willy Wonka, rocket cooktop 2.0, and the truly passive greenhouse. To see more, go to permies.com slash tour. Again, that is permies.com slash tour.